Well, if you haven't been with us for a couple of weeks, um, just a very, very brief recap. Um, been teaching and talking about distractions in our lives. Shared about how, um, as a leadership and prophetic team and others, we feel like there is an, a strategy of the enemy to try to distract us this summer to keep us from being focused on God's agenda for our church, for our families, for our marriages, for our city this fall. We believe something could happen. Um, there are rumblings within the region. I meet with a lot of pastors and leaders throughout the region over in Indianapolis, and there are many discernings, I guess would be the word, of you know, God coming and moving in the fall, and we want to be prepared for that. We've had for three years the 10 get ready prophecy, you know, it's been three years, it'll be three years this October to get ready, get ready, and I think it's time to be ready. Sometimes when we hear those words, I think we go, well, that's tomorrow, I got time, I got time. Get ready means some other day it'll come, but not today. And I think when we live under that, we don't live ready. The best way to get ready is to live ready. It's to be ready right now. It's to have my family ready right now. It's to have our church ready right now. It's to be prepared as the people of God to be ready for whatever God wants to bring us. And I know that revival... When revival comes, it it's, comes in ways we don't expect, and I understand that, and it, it comes to overwhelm us, and we could never imagine all of the great things that God could do, but I could imagine a few things. <laughs> like, I, can, I got a really good imagination, and I can come up with some pretty cool scenarios. And so that's the stuff I'm preparing for, stuff that's beyond the, you know, give me two hours on Sunday morning, and I'm out. Like, don't, don't go past my noon because that's my time. I'm dreaming beyond that. I'm dreaming beyond your noon, my noon. And I want to be ready. I want my kids to be ready. We believe if there's a move that's going to be in our school system, and your kids are going to be right in the middle of it. My kids are going to be in the middle of it. Are they prepared are they equipped? Are we ready for, for them to be able to know how to lead their friends to the Lord? Do they know how to pray for the sick? We've done a lot of equipping. I encourage you. Part of what I'm doing with our boys is I'm like, okay, so what are you going to do if a kid came up to you and said, I want to get saved? What would you do? I don't know. Call my dad who's a pastor. Nope. Eh, wrong answer. What are you going to do? I guess pray. It's a good start. I like where you're headed with that. But if that's where we believe, that's where our prayers are focused, then we have got to seriously equip our church. We've got to seriously equip, equip our children. And so that's what we've been talking about is dealing with the distractions, getting the distractions out of our lives so that we can put first things first. Put first things first. Loving God above your lifestyle choices. Loving God above every other choice that we could make. Seeking Him, seeking His presence, putting Him first. And that's what we've been talking about. And I shared a little bit that we feel like there's a, a fast that the Lord's calling us to, and, and we are landing on that today. It is our feeling, it is our leadership, our leading, um, that God is wanting New Covenant Worship Center, this family, to enter into a fast for the summer of some kind. And so that's what I want to talk about today. I want to... You know, again, we, were, we felt that the Lord was calling this. We asked the prophetic team to pray. I, we asked our ministry team um, what their, you know, feeling and leading was, and we felt it was an urgency. 
that there is an urgency in the moment to identify our distractions, to put up a fight, and to achieve breakthrough. And again, you know, I'm referring back to that prophetic word that Michelle Hughes had shared with us about the churches and the leaders coming together, praying and fasting. And again, we feel imperative that we walk into this invitation. That we identify the season that we're in, the season of preparation. And again, we're not the only church. There are a lot of other churches in the region who are saying yes to the Lord when it comes to praying and fasting. But today, we are declaring a fast for New Covenant. We are asking every one of you who calls New Covenant home to please consider fasting something this summer. We prayed about whether everyone does the same fast or to have people decide on their own. And we feel like um, that everyone needs to really identify your greatest distraction. To identify your distraction and to put it aside. You know, last week I shared that my family, we're doing a media fast. And in my family... You know, one of the greatest distractions in our lives is digital entertainment. So we as a family, we are doing a digital detox. We are unplugging our lives from the digital entertainment world. And that means no TV. That means no Facebook. That means no YouTube, no DVDs. No Christian TV. Well, let me, I'll watch spiritual stuff, Tom. You, know, you can geek out for hours on that as well. No Netflix, no streaming, movies of any kind. If it's digital, if it's visual, and it's entertainment, we're saying no. Now, we're still listening to worship music. We're still, you know, listening to music and worship music. We're still listening to audio Bible teachings. Um, we're reading books. Lots of book reading is suddenly happening in my house. It's amazing. The board games have all got the dust taken off. Um, and, of course, my agenda is that our children spend bunches and bunches of time outside in the beautiful, amazing sunlight of the summer. Now, another benefit about a media fast is that this is something that children can participate in. You know, sometimes it's difficult to call or tell our children to do food fasts. You know, asking our little guys to na uh, navigate hunger pains is not really something they're mature enough to handle sometimes. But no one has ever died of media starvation. Your kids may act like they're dying. Oh, oh, I'm so bored. I know. Come here. Here's a broom. The garage needs swept. Oh, I'm not that bored. I knew it. I knew it. So they may act like they're dying, but we all know better. And if you're like me and my family, and I would say probably 95% of us in this room are, then digital entertainment is the greatest distraction in your life as well. And I invite you to unplug with me and my family and free up wasted hours and hours of time to press into the plan of God for your family, for our church, and for our city. Now, one question I get asked about um, concerning the digital media fast is what if I have to go to the internet for my job? What if I have to look at something? Well, if it's truly your job, then do your job as you've been instructed, okay? We're not going to get religious. We're not going to be, you know, religious or legalistic. There's no condemnation if you need to look at something for your job. Just don't go, oh, and an ad, and oh, where am I at, and now I'm in YouTube, and now what's happening in Facebook? It's a slippery slope, believe me. So get in and get out. 
But there's no condemnation if you have to. What we want to focus on, we want to focus on eliminating the wasted hours. Hours and hours of wasted Facebook and Instagram scrolling. It's all the cat videos and and dumb internet tests to see if you're a genius among all of us peasants. (laughs) You know, we're, we're saying no to, you know, uh, maybe you're unraveling the mysteries of the universe by finding out what you would look like if you were the opposite sex. <laughs> you know, it's that stuff. The real, you know, life-altering moments that you're spending on Facebook that we want to say, well, just for now, let's put that aside. It's those digital distractions that we have to fight against. Now, again, we are not saying everyone should do one. But I'm saying it's a really good idea. So um, maybe God's calling you to a different fast. Maybe food is your distraction. Um, you know, maybe God's calling you to do a food fast. Maybe, maybe God's calling you to do a liquid fast. You know, I'll never forget the first liquid fast I ever did. As a leadership team, we had felt the Lord lead us to do a 40-day liquid fast. Now, that may sound very powerful and amazing, I, but I want to tell you that it was no fun for my flesh. Whew. And it happened over Thanksgiving as well. And I remember how hungry I would get. And so my goal was to drown out every hunger pain with as many milkshakes as I could get. <laughs> I drowned every hunger pain with milkshakes and fruit juices and smoothies and, oh my goodness, every, I mean, it was multiple milkshakes in a day. If I could get it through a straw, it was liquid. That was, that was my, that was my litmus test. In fact, I had a buddy who literally blended Doritos into his milkshake just for the flavor of it. That wasn't me, I promise. That's gross. That's just wrong. But my meals, they consisted of a constant rotation of tomato soup, uh, chicken noodle broth, and chili with all the cool stuff strained out. I, you know, and believe me, you, you never really appreciate the blessing of chewing your food until it's taken away from you. Like, I am so serious, I just wanted to chomp some stuff. I just wanted to tear into a steak or something. It was bad. And yes, Thanksgiving was so fun. Oh, you know, everyone had their plate full of all things turkey, and, and there I am sitting in the corner trying to inhale mashed potatoes and gravy through a straw. <sighs> and let's not forget about the cranberry sauce. I was enjoying that until a chunk of cranberry got lodged in my makeshift feeding tube. (laughs) And that was it. That was the end of my Thanksgiving meal because I had vowed that not a solid morsel would cross these lips. (laughs) Yea, for nearly three fortnights I shall not partake of solid sustenance. And I prevailed with the help of God. And it was difficult, and my flesh hated it. But listen, my spirit was humming. Oh, my gosh, my spirit was humming. So maybe the Lord wants you to give up food, certain foods. Maybe it's coffee or Coke or meats and sweets, you know. Maybe God wants you to do a Daniel fast that requires, you know, just eating fruits and vegetables. Maybe God needs you to do a reverse Daniel fast where you only eat meats and sweets. I don't know. (laughs) No, we're not saying that. That's the American diet, okay? (laughs) 
That's what you had this morning and for the rest of the day if nothing stops you. That's not what we're calling anyone to. Maybe God wants you to fast a favorite hobby or pastime activity. You know, maybe God wants you to not read all your fiction books or maybe your romance novels. And just read the Bible only. The thing that we want to make sure is that this fast, it is up to you and the Holy Spirit to decide what is your greatest distraction. And then put up a fight and get breakthrough. Now, there's a few things that I, I feel like we've got to cover about fasting. And the first thing I want to do is I want to talk about what fasting is not. Fasting is a practice that we find in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And there are so many blessings and benefits of fasting, and I'm going to get into a few of those. But first, I really want to hit on what fasting is not, okay? Because you may not, we may not all be kind of familiar with what fasting is. And so first thing I want to say, fasting is not Fasting is not punishment from God for being a bad Christian. You know, because of the negative nature of fasting, it, uh, it is easy to think that God has maybe created fasting to, to punish or torture us because we're lazy and we're selfish Christians. You know, if we enter into fasting with that kind of attitude, we're finally, you know, God's finally going to like me. You know, if I do this fast, you'll finally approve, you know. Uh, finally, I'll be a good Christian, you know. Then you are missing the point of fasting. God's love is for us no matter what your behavior. I mean, literally, John three sixteen is real. It's true. He loved the world. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for you. He can't do that without love, oodles and oodles of it. So trying to earn God's love and favor through fasting is absolutely the wrong motivation. Fasting is never about paying penance for all the misdeeds that we've committed. Jesus paid for all your sins. Jesus paid the price for all of your misdeeds. God has no need of punishing you because he laid all of that punishment on Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1 says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, say, but God. Say it again, but God. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Say that. Say, by grace, grace. I have been saved. By grace, I have been saved. And we have raised up with him and and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, and not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Fasting is not punishment from God for not being a good Christian. Secondly, if you're taking notes, fasting is not a hyper-spiritual weight loss program. 
And I know we've all thought it. I could use a few pounds. Maybe I'll do a fast for the Lord. Or I need to do a cleanse. I'll do a Daniel fast for the Lord. Look, spare us your religious jargon. Just do a cleanse. You know, stop eating carbs and just lose some weight. Just don't call it a fast for the Lord when it's really for you. And, and yes, when we fast, if you do an intense one, you will lose weight. It's just going to happen. If you do a liquid fast, a Daniel fast. But listen, that's not the point. Don't deceive yourself into believing that, you know, this fast is unto the Lord when it's really unto our waistline. <laughs> and, and I think it's a good idea to fast food for health benefits. Like, there's a lot of great studies out there about doing regular fasting as a health benefit. And I think it comes along with it. And by all means, you know, do those regularly. But when, but when we fast unto the Lord, it has to be unto the Lord. Fasting unto the Lord is about declaring that I will deny my appetites. My appetites for these things so that I can feed my appetite for your presence. My appetite for your word. Let your diet be a diet. And let your fasting be fasting. Number three. Fasting is not a hunger strike to get God to move or do something for you. Now, when you study fasting in the Old Testament, we see a lot of fasting done to avert disaster, destruction, and tragedy. But fasting in the Old Testament was never about acting like a spoiled child who holds his breath and throws a temper tantrum until you give him some candy. Fasting is not acting like a, a criminal in jail who goes on a hunger strike because he had his TV taken out of his room. Fasting in the Old Testament was to avert, the, to avert disaster or destruction. It was never about do something unless I'll hurt myself, God. It was always about humbling ourselves. It's always about asking God for protection, for safety. In Ezra chapter 8, verse 21, it says that I, then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him safe, a safe journey for ourselves, our children, and all our goods. So just get that, out, that, that thought out of your head that fasting is not a hunger strike to get God's help. And fourth, fasting is not about religious behavior to help you feel good about yourself. In other words, fasting must be devoid of spiritual pride and self-glorification. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 says, and this is Jesus speaking. He says, when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, I realize that, you know, we're all hopefully entering into this fast, and we all know we're doing it. But Jesus, he, he challenges us in this passage to not do it in a way to attract attention. Just let your fasting just be a beautiful act of love and devotion to the Lord. Just allow God to reward you. 
Let God reward you for putting aside the distractions, focusing your heart and your mind on Him. Allow what we're going to be doing in secret be rewarded by God, not only by the attention, but because God sees what we're doing. So let's look at a few things of what fasting is. First of all, fasting is obedience. Now looking back again at our passage in Matthew, we hear Jesus say in verse 17 again, he says, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. Now it's important to notice that, that when Jesus says, when you fast, he assumes that we as his followers are fasting. As a matter of fact, when Jesus was confronted on why his disciples don't fast, when John the Baptist's disciples, they were all fasting and the Pharisees, you know, all the time, and Jesus declares that his followers will fast. Mark chapter 2 and verse 18 now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. And people came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. So Jesus, what he's saying is he's saying, you know, when I'm gone physically, when I'm, I'm physically away from the disciples, when I'm no longer here in a physical way on the earth, it's when I'm gone that my disciples, then they're going to start fasting. Now, Jesus, again, physically is not here. He's here in us and with us in the person of the Holy Spirit, but he is away physically. And he said his disciples will fast. And so as followers of Christ, fasting has to be a spiritual discipline that should be a part of our yearly and monthly rhythm with God. At least yearly, maybe monthly. You know, for myself, fasting has been a part of, of my devotion and discipline in the Lord in a lot of different ways. You know, some years I have fasted all food for every Monday of the week. Some years I fasted the first Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of every month. Some years I fasted the, f the whole first week of every month. Whatever it looks like, it's between you and the Lord. But it should be a, a rhythm and a discipline that we as Christians, those who follow Jesus, engage in. Fasting is to be done in obedience to the Lord. Jesus said we would fast. And I think it's very important that we obey. Secondly, Fasting is spiritual violence. Matthew 11, verse 11 says, Truly I say to you, among those born of a woman, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. So in this passage, Jesus is describing John the Baptist as the premier example of radical obedience. John the Baptist was the picture of the ultimate measure of intensity when it came to God. And so when we speak of spiritual violence, we're not talking about physical or any of that kind of weirdness. We're talking about holy spiritual intensity 
Jesus is in the business of rewarding spiritual intensity. Someone say amen to that. You're all very quiet. I hope this is either you're deep in contemplation. I'm telling you, Jesus rewards spiritual intensity. Not apathy. Not boredom. Not laziness. Whatever. He's looking for spiritually intense people who will enter into a lifestyle of fasting. Fasting is an aspect of spiritual violence. It is an aspect of taking the kingdom by force. John the Baptist did fast. We know this. Matthew eleven eighteen. 18. Jesus says about John, he says, John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. That was Jesus' way of saying John lived a fasted lifestyle. If you've ever been around fasting or talked about it, enough jokes have been told, you know, hey, are you going to do the, the honey and locust fast of John the Baptist? Because that's, you know, we, we know that John did that. Jesus himself said John was a fasting guy. He was a spiritually intense guy. He was a forerunner. Jesus, or John lived as a forerunner of Jesus. John was preparing the way of the Lord. And John was the spiritual model of intensity. John lived a lifestyle of fasting. And so when we say yes to God in in obedience to fasting, then we are engaging and entering into spiritual intensity. And I promise you, it will be rewarded. Third, fasting is for breakthrough. Fasting is for breakthrough. Matthew chapter 17 and verse 15 says, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and he suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. Now jump down to verse 19. And the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have, as, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So Jesus is telling his disciples, he said, he, he told them, he said, prayer and fasting is one of the pathways to breakthrough. When we come up against certain powers of darkness, fasting has a very important place to play in our, in, in our overcoming and in our breakthrough. In fact, Hebrews 1.4 tells us that angels are ministering spirits sent for the sake of us who inherit salvation. So angelic help is a major component of spiritual breakthrough. In fact, when we study the fasting of Daniel in the Old Testament, we discover one of the results of his fasting was angelic help. Daniel chapter 10 and verse 12. And then he said to me, and this is Daniel speaking, and he's, he being the angel, Fear not, Daniel, for... From the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. Who would like a little angelic help in your life today? If you go back up to chapter 9 and verse 23, again the angel speaking, he says, At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out. And I have come to tell you, for you are greatly loved. And therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. See, when we are in a place of needing spiritual breakthrough, fasting is an intensifier. It's a multiplier. It's an accelerator to open the heavens and receive that kind of angelic breakthrough and help. 
Hebrews said they're up there for us. They are there for us. Now, let's keep in mind that just because we fast doesn't guarantee we get a visit from Gabriel. I'm not saying that either. But God does hear our prayers and he sees our fasting and he rewards us with breakthrough. And the last thing I want to say about fasting is that fasting is for increase in intimacy with the Lord. Going back to Daniel as, you know, his fast, as our example, we, we see, again, we saw in 923 that the angel Gabriel came to Daniel, and what was his message to him? He said, you are greatly loved. 1011, Daniel 1011, Gabriel repeats that message again, and he tells Daniel, you are greatly loved. Daniel 10, 19, Daniel hears the message one more time that he is greatly loved. Now, again, I want to I wanna remind us that God was not sending this message to Daniel because he earned it through fasting. You know, God's not up there thinking, well, now I can finally love Daniel because he's fasting food and he's eating veggies and his fruits and vegetables, like I wanted him to all this time anyway. God already deeply loved Daniel. It was the fasting that opened up those portals of heaven for this divine encounter that positioned him in a way so that he could hear what God already felt and thought about him in a tangible way. It's the difference between just reading the Bible, Jesus loves me, this I know, the word tells me so. We all live there, but man, when you feel the love, it's a whole different ball game. Yes, we walk by faith knowing God loves us. He died, Jesus died for us, and, and we know we, the Bible says we're his favorite, I guess. I don't know, I don't feel like it, but encounter the love of God, and guess what? Something's changed. Fasting helps that. I mean, seriously, who does not long to hear from the Father? Who does not long to hear Him say, I love you. I love you. You are one of my favorites. You are greatly loved. I just think about you all day. Here are some of my thoughts about you. Well, fasting, it softens our heart. It positions us for greater intimacy and breakthrough. Now, I want to go back to chapter 9 in Matthew again. I want to go back to what Jesus said about fasting in verse 14, chapter 9 of Matthew. It says, then the disciples of John came to him saying, why do we fast and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. See, Jesus, again, knew that there would come a day where he was physically away from the disciples. He knew that the amazing, I mean, think about just hanging out in physical reality with Jesus. Perfect man, says everything right, all the time, always makes you feel like you're a million bucks. When he, when he corrects you, you just go, that was awesome. That was the best butt whooping I've ever had. I'm so happy I want to be closer to this guy. I mean, imagine that kind of person every day. That amazing connection they had with them. And Jesus knew that that was going to diminish. It was going to not be the same. 
And so in verse 15, he said that as long as he, the bridegroom, was present, as long as he was physically present, there's not going to be any of the sadness because I'm right here. I can't be sad when Jesus is like right here, arm in arm with me. You can try, but he just messes up sadness and depression all the time. He's just jacking it up for us. Yes, praise God. But Jesus, he knew when he would, he would be taken away. And then his disciples, they would long for that again. They would be so hungry for that beautiful, perfect connection they had with him. Just to be around him in his presence. And Jesus says, when that happens, they're going to fast. They're going to fast so they can reclaim that intimacy. That intimacy that I had with each one of them. And I want to say to us that every one of us can experience greater levels of connection and intimacy with God. Through fasting. You know, ultimately when Jesus said that some spirits come out only through prayer and fasting, what he was saying was, was you know, that only those who are closest to me and most intimate with me have the greatest authority. Those who are spending much of their time in my close proximity, those are the ones who have the most authority in the kingdom. Prayer and fasting increase intimacy. You're talking to God and you're putting aside distractions. What better combination to come into the presence of God? Prayer and fasting increases intimacy. Intimacy, increased intimacy uh, brings greater authority. Fasting and intimacy, they go hand in hand. So one more passage and we'll wrap up. Just one more passage to kind of add some weight to, I believe, what God's calling us to do. In Joel chapter 2 and starting in verse 15, it says, Blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a, whole, a, a solemn assembly. Gather the people. Consecrate the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children, even nursing infants. And let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride or chamber. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep and say, Spare your people, O Lord, and make not your heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? We are calling a solemn assembly. We are consecrating a fast. We are crying out to the Lord for justice among the youth of this county, of this city, and of this state. We are calling for justice against drugs and abuse and poverty. You know, it's, it's amazing that in this passage of Scripture that God himself would say, remove every distraction do you read that? Do you see that? Get rid of every distraction and involve everyone from babies to old people. Even nursing infants, call them in to this solemn assembly, to this consecration. I mean, how many of us could even hear God say, call off the wedding? I would say zero. Don't, don't get married. Get the bride and the bridegroom out here. We're not doing this. We have got to get into the presence of God. That's what it's saying. It's not me. I'm not just being super crazy radical. Tom, he's over, over the top. And God said this. Put away everything, every distraction. 
call off your wedding. God himself called this wedding a distraction. And so God is looking for a people who will hold nothing back and run with him. We are blowing the trumpet this morning. We are calling a fast. We are calling a solemn assembly and gathering the people to pray. So we're asking, will you please prayerfully consider joining us this summer in prayer and fasting? Join us. Last night, we had is every, every month on the second Saturday of the month, we invite the whole church to pray. One night, one Saturday a month, we're asking, come join us. Come in and join us as we pray for the city. Last night, we prayed for the youth. We prayed for teachers. We prayed for schools. We prayed for you as moms and dads. Will you consecrate one Saturday night a month? Set it aside and join us as we pray and seek the Lord. God is calling us to put every distraction away. And I know what you're saying. My Saturdays are for me. No, they're not. They're for the Lord. Just like your Sunday and your Monday and your Tuesday and your Wednesday and your Thursday and Friday. We are praying, we are seeking, and we are knocking. And I'm asking you all to please pray and fast with us through this summer. Eric and I will be meeting with some other pastors from our city. And we're going to get together and we're going to ask the Lord for a strategy of preparing for breakthrough in our city and our schools. So this morning, if you're here and you feel a yes in your spirit, to fast and to pray, then I'm just going to ask you to stand. And we're going to end in prayer. Even if you don't know what you're going to fast, if you say, yeah, i got to do something, go ahead and just stand with us. And so God, we just, in, in the spirit of Joel 2, God, we just, again, we say yes, God, to being a consecrated people, people who will press into your plans and purposes with prayer and fasting, God. And I'm just asking right now, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to every person in this room who's saying yes, that you've, you've stirred in their heart a yes, God. And I'm just saying, Lord, download whatever the distraction is, whatever it is, God, that we need to say to put aside, to put up a fight, and to get breakthrough. God, just download that into our hearts, Lord. For some of us, it may be a 21-day fast. It may be all of June and July. It may be whatever, God. Just asking that you would speak to us. Open our hearts and minds to know what it is you want us to fast and pray about. We are calling this army, God, into attention to say yes to you, God. We believe that there is a move coming, God, whether it's my lifetime or another, but God, we are going to press in like it's coming tomorrow. We are going to be ready. And so, Father, I just, I just consecrate every heart in this room, God. From the smallest to the to the greatest, to the youngest, to the oldest, God. We just consecrate and call all of us, God, towards this purpose and plan. And so, God, we just thank you for what you have in store for us as families, God, for marriages, God. We want breakthrough in marriages, breakthrough in parents and relationships with their children, God. We want breakthrough with friends we want breakthrough with our education God 
We want breakthrough in our schools, God. God, we bless the high school right now, Father, in the name of Jesus. We call that to be a place of revival in Jesus' name. God, we declare the middle school right now. We, we just bless you, middle school, and you will be a place of, of revival, a healing center, God. Lord, we speak to Sunnyside and Riley and Eastwood and Westwood and Parker and, and Wilbur Wright, God. We just speak to every elementary school, God, Heartland Christian School. God, we declare each one of these places a hotbed for the presence of God. We declare it a place for healing and restoration. We set those things, God, on fire with our prayers, Lord. We say, burn for Jesus. Burn in the power and the Spirit. We pray for Try High, God. We declare Try High from high school down to kindergarten to be a place of the presence of God. Lord, we declare Blue River from the high school down to the kindergarten to be a place of the presence of God. Lord, we, we bless Shenandoah. We, could, we, we declare Shenandoah from the high school down to kindergarten that you would be a place of the presence of God. Baptize this county, Father, with fire. Even in the preschools and the nurseries and the daycares, God, let your presence just, just rush through each one of those areas, God. Each of those places, Lord. We declare Knightstown, God. Hagerstown, God. We just bless, Father. We say, come and let your, your spirit fall. And let the Christian teachers and administrators have the sensitivity and the wisdom and the knowledge to know how to steward the move of God. God, we prophesy that kids will be leading kids to the Lord. We prophesy that kids will be baptizing kids. Kids will be leading other kids to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Kids will be, will be praying for healing for kids, God. No junior Holy Spirit. No junior Jesus. We say, even so, Lord, come. The Spirit and the Bride, we pray, God, come, come, come. And we will press in through prayer and fasting, God. We will get breakthrough. We will come to you. We will, we will position ourselves for intimacy and for, for connection and for breakthrough, God. And Father, we say we love you. Thank you for positioning us and getting the army ready to take back the dark places that the enemy has tried to overwhelm. We claim them for the kingdom, God. We thank you for all these things, God. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, we seal this prayer. And everybody says, Amen. Amen.